Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to No Church Answers. This is podcast number 277. It is a Christian roundtable discussion for men, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas, so grab a globe, spin around, bang! Not sure where you ended up, but spin around, find Texas, southeast side of Texas, Houston, southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. That's where we're at, you know. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys, and each of us are on our own spiritual journey and meeting challenges just like you, and that's why we're here. And we're having this discussion for men, uh, and we're not going to take any church answers, so we're glad that you've joined us. Uh, You know, this discussion is often called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny. Um, The podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we're on Facebook, YouTube, and at NoChurchAnswers.com, so please rate our podcast and leave a review and without your support um this wouldn't be possible so at this point in time i'm going to jump right in and uh introduce our panel he is a former world-class policy writer a current professional gambler he is the show producer it's mr steve titch Hello, steve. and he is a former prosecutor he is an attorney Kind of the group historian. We call him the judge. It's Michael Cropper. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Mike. How are you? And he is a big deal in the corporate training world. It's kind of like industrial strength teacher. We call him the professor. It's Robert Koshu. Hey, Robert. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm basically a writer and a salesman, probably pretty soon to be employed salesman. And uh, <clears throat> and I just want to thank everybody for the uh, kind words and prayers for uh, my wife, um, who has uh, cancer and, unfortunately, a caregiver that's no better than me because it's me. So, uh, anyway, uh, real quick, uh, Happy New Year, and I'm going to jump right in. And one thing about it, you know, how long do you get to say Happy New Year? I, I think by, I mean, this is going to be the last, got to be about the last. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're a weekend. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. We're, yeah. we're about a weekend, so, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of done with it. So, uh, anyway, not Happy New Year. <laughs> Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> by now, by now, by now it's a write-off for it's, most of us. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right, no big deal. <laughs> How are you feel if you're the dad that had the baby born at 1201? Because uh, <laughs> yeah. you missed the this 2020. Is, is, you know, wait a minute, my digital thing. I'd like to. Yeah. <laughs> That's not Oops. what my watch says. <laughs> All right, Steve, Mr. Steve, jump right in, and right. Uh, this is uh, this year's uh, very first um, podcast. Yes, um, and we're going to be starting a study of the first letter of Peter. Um, you know, Bill, last year we did the letter of James, and you likened it to an employee handbook 
for oh, yeah. Christian. Right, right. Uh, and it sure just had a lot like of it. tips for, or, you know, yeah. maybe Timothy's got the ultimate, you know, how to build a church. But uh, this one was kind of for congregation. You're in a church. How are you supposed to behave? What's expected of you? Right. Uh, here we've got, I, I think we're going to continue in that vein. We've got First Peter, and I think this is, this is the handbook to Christian counterculture. And um, from the beginning, he talks about the idea of exiles uh, and the status of Christians in this new, new world and this new experience where, uh, by Peter's own witness, a man rose from the dead and uh, Peter laid claim that this man was an incarnate uh, was was the incarnate version of God of of the of the Jewish God of the Hebrew God, and now he's got converts across, uh, really ranging from Rome to you know back toward Jerusalem, and he's writing this letter to churches in Turkey and what is now Turkey in Asia Minor they called it then, and uh, really what we get to talk about, and I, I guess we're going to like kind of set the stage here in this podcast, uh, but really. What does it mean to be a part of the Christian counterculture? And is you know Christianity itself basically and always countercultural to the to the trends and society, the social mores of the moment, whatever that moment in time is, be it from ancient Rome to uh, now. Hmm, Michael Cropper. Yeah, uh, Bill, we're, again, uh, Steve and Bill have talked about us addressing uh, the first letter of Peter. So since Bill refers to me as sometimes a historian, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you folks, who is Peter? Let's refresh <laughs> yeah. our memory about the author of this letter. Peter's original name was Simon, but Jesus called him Cephas, John 142. That's an Aramaic word that translates to Peter or Petros in Greek. Cephas is Aramaic for stone, and the gospel writer adds that this means Peter when translated. So this is why Peter is sometimes referred to as the rock. As a result of this, Peter is also referred to as Simon, Simon Peter, and Cephas. So Peter was one of the 12 main disciples of Jesus Christ, and he was one of Jesus' closest companions, along with James and John. After the resurrection, Peter became one of the most influential Christian leaders in the first century, and according, of course, to tra Catholic tradition, he was also the first pope. Now, Peter is sometimes referred to as the gatekeeper of heaven. And over the last <laughs> two millennia, yeah, we get countless pieces of art and literature and jokes depict him waiting at the pearly gates to decide who gets in and who doesn't. And, of course, you've heard the right. husband and wife jokes where the husband oh, yeah. shows up, the wife is... Yeah substituting for Peter and he doesn't she doesn't let the husband in or something. Anyway, enough of that. That's why I said jokes with that folks. If you're not familiar with the verse, uh, Matthew sixteen nineteen, uh, Jesus tells Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And that's why it's been uh, described or interpreted as being him being the first Pope or the one who has the opening to the uh, kingdom of heaven the gate, you know he man's the gate. So other notable points about Peter. Peter was a fisherman by trade, as you remember, as was his brother Andrew. Jesus called Peter and said, I'm going to make you fishers of men, and they accepted. Peter also walked in the water. 
Matthew 14, 25 through 31 describes the uh, situation. Peter disowned Jesus three times uh, before the, before the uh, crucifixion. Jesus addressed Peter specifically three times again after he was raised from the dead, and he told him, feed my sheep. So essentially restored Peter to spread the gospel and to lead his, his sheep. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, at which 3,000 people accepted Christ. He's very blunt, folks, and he told the people, you kill the Messiah. And by the way, we were talking about, uh, and, and, and part of our lesson looks at why are Christians not liked. And we may talk about this, this lesson or later, but it's very interesting because when the Holy Spirit is with you, as with, with Peter, you can get by with stuff like that. But if he's not with you, mm -hmm. don't take it on yourself <laughs> to be too blunt with non-Christians. You, you treat them with love as Christ did. Peter was a kosher Jew who received a vision leading him to preach and fellowship with Gentiles. These Gentiles received the message of the gospel and were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that's Acts 10, 9 through 48. Peter was crucified up, upside down because he said that he was not worthy to be crucified as Christ was. And as, as I mentioned, Peter is considered the first pope of the Catholic Church, Matthew 16, 18 through 19. So a brief capsule summarizing 1 Peter 1 through 9, which we're going to look at. Bill will read. Folks, he's telling the, uh, the Gentile Christians, you're going to suffer, but your reward is infinitely more valuable than your present life on earth. Bill? Excellent. Uh, professor? Peter is probably my favorite disciple, and you have to put him in perspective a little bit. Peter is the disciple who owned a fishing boat. That, so he's a businessman. Every, everybody else talks about these uneducated fishermen. No, 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 no. That, that's like telling any blue-collar guy, you're just dumb whatever, car mechanic, carpenter, plumber, you know, oil mm -hmm. worker. You know, yeah, go, go ask how much you pay for skilled craftsman carpentry or plumbing these days and... They're not dumb. <laughs> They've just chosen to do things other ways. So he wasn't uneducated. But he's my favorite because Peter is, in, in a way, he's kind of like David. He's kind of a man's man with this stuff, you know. We're going to go die with you. Lord, they're not going to take you. I'll cut their ears off, you know. And, and, you know, he goes through all of those things that he does and at the end of the day, he denies Jesus. Jesus meets him and restores him, you know. And then he gives the sermon on Pentecost. You know, he was in effect until he went out on missionary journeys telling he was leading the church in Rome. I'm sorry, leading the church in Jerusalem before he went off, before James took over. And when we did our James, it wasn't James and John, and it wasn't John and Peter, and it wasn't Paul and whoever, it was Peter and Paul who were setting up the debate that we read about in, Galatia, in James between, and we used some passages from Galatians mm -hmm. to kind of illustrate that. And so Peter is one of those characters in the Bible, people in the Bible, that we can learn a lot from as men because he's not writing from an academic. P Peter is not concerned with the theology. Peter, the theology matters to him, but Peter is concerned with, how do I do this? 
thing called being a Christian and being a follower of Christ. And I think that forms the impetus of his book when we look at it. All right, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, jump right into the scripture reading. It's uh, 1 Peter 1, 1 through 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the providence of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, who which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joys. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is a great beginning because this really puts it out front why Peter's going to go into what he does in this letter in terms of really how he believes Christians should behave. And really, this is, this is the, the letter or the text uh, that really guides us through the cliche we often hear in church. Uh, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. And that's what Peter's going to lay out here. But right up front, he says why we're going to do it. And it's not because we're going to be ascetics. It's not because we're going to revel in denying ourselves. Uh, It's because there's something better ahead. And there's something much more eternal. There's something eternal that we as Christians, he's saying, are going to put our our hopes on that that go beyond anything that we're going to get out of this world and uh, he has an interesting beginning because he he lays out right in his address he, he uses two terms to describe the recipients of his letter he says to to God's elect comma exiles scattered throughout the provinces etc to God, he, he addresses this as God's elect. These are people who have chosen, and, and I'm not going to get into the whole elect debate right here, and when, it's, this is not the place to do that. But to people who have accepted uh, Christ as Lord, Savior, Redeemer, exiles. 
And I know that Robert's chomping at the gibbon <laughs> at the bit to, to wonder what I mean by. And I'll say briefly this, and I'll let then I'll turn it over to to Robert. By exile, I mean someone who's left their former place of of existence, of being, where they lived, where they were, and, and you, this can be literally, physically, or metaphorically, uh, and sometimes by choice, sometimes by force. You're exiled, bye, um, or else you leave of your own record. But implied in that is that there's no going back. Uh, and um, you're, you're going to exist somewhere where you are not necessarily welcome and not certainly not necessarily part of that community. Uh, you, are, you are detached from where you came from and you are basically making yourself literally wending a new way. One thing about this uh, lesson when the producer, uh, Mr. Steve, sent this to me about the Christian counterculture, I thought a good uh, subtitle would be How to Resist Old Man-itis. <laughs> and, uh, and before the professor gets into <laughs> the exile uh, part of this, a lot of this has to do with standards, particularly us as men. We grow up just like the the person that is a brand new doctor out of med school. He has 25 cures for the common cold. The old rural doctor has two, one for the adults and one for children. Why? Because they work. It's standards. And... Now, as we get older, we find ourselves in unfamiliar territory because life just changes. And I can tell you, uh, Christianity and things around Christianity have changed so much in my lifetime. It's it's amazing. And 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 here, let me just give you another example before. <laughs> I mean, Steve told us to leave the flamethrowers at home, so I left it at home. <laughs> Let me give you an idea about standard, and I wanted to throw this out because I know Koshu would know exactly the standard. The perfect steak is the grill at 450 degrees, and it's four to five minutes on one side, and then you flip it over, and then it's three to four minutes on the other side, Right. That is a standard, and that has been that way ever since there were people that were using bricks and a grill to cook meat. You know what I'm saying? I, I would say when a cast iron pan. I don't cook steak like that. Okay. <laughs> I don't grill steak like that. Oh, um, okay, but, but that, I will, but, I'll, I'll okay, wait to the end as a lanyard. Wait till the end of the story. Wait till the end of the story. Okay, so say you're Robert Koshu and you're cooking the perfect steak, and some weasel comes up oh, and yeah. says, "What are you doing? I'm cooking the perfect steak." He goes, "What? Where's your air fryer?" <laughs> Or where's your George Foreman fryer? Oh, you see what I'm saying? The where's new... your doing a brisket? Where's your why aren't you using a pellet grill? Oh, right, exactly, oh, dude, exactly. <laughs> and see, the thing about it is, as those things come out, standards 
change things move and 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 christianity is no different because i mean think about this okay maybe in the next few years they outlaw open burning and the only way to have a perfect steak is to have it on air fried or something like that and that's and that'll become the new standard you see what i'm saying but but that's the thing the old man itis is fighting all the battles. I, I, I joke with my older son that I, when he moved into his house, we bought him a uh, pellet grill. So I joke with him that I bought him a sissy man grill so he could cook <laughs> a brisket. But but I, I will freely admit it's a new way. And quite it, honestly, I like to set it. And you, I like the fact you can set it, walk away, and go take a well, nap uh, well, and not right, the fire but, all night. Yeah, ex- <laughs> ex- but it, that's that's my point. Yeah. That's my point. Things move, and things are standards to us because it worked in the past. It was handed down to us. Now we're confronted by all sorts of new stuff. I, I, I mean, and and how do you handle it without being an old man? I, I'm, I'm glad you man. brought it because because well, this. I, but before but we go to exile, I, now before we go to exile, I want to deal with this. No, no, yeah, I do. Because I do want to deal with yeah. it. Because I think this is the point of the whole letter and and where Christians get rung up on, and it'll be. I think it'll come into almost every podcast we do down the line on this is personal preference versus the important stuff, and right. and that's. And that's what a lot of the church is arguing a lot about. You know, what's important? What shouldn't change? Because because this is the truth. And what's simply just tradition and a way of life? And, uh, you know, obviously this goes back to, to the first century where they were arguing, well, was Jesus really human? Or was he just kind of... Uh, Kind of just, you know, ghost-like and material, you know, all of that. They, they had all that stuff. John, letters of John deal with that. Um, all sorts of discussion going on. Um, and, we, you know, we come to today where, oh, where, can I be a Christian and not believe in the resurrection? Yeah, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> but there are things, there are things, can, as, as we're going to discuss in this very letter, can I be a Christian and braid my hair? <laughs> well, and we're and we're going to go ahead and take our first break. I guarantee you, I will oh, not be I will not be braiding my hair. <laughs> There's no church answers. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bill Cox, director of Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. We hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. But our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, our podcast our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors. Just regular guys, so whether you're successful or struggling, we hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys. Please consider supporting Man Up and No Church Answers today. 
And welcome back. This is No Church Answers. We are diving in this first one of the year, and I'm not going to say Happy New Year. And we're going to get right over there to Professor. So so before we do that, Steve threw a term out. It's a term that, in actuality, I deal with all the time, because if you're in corporate training, you better know this term. It's VUCA. And VUCA is an acronym. stands for Volatility, Uncertainty, Complexity, and Ambiguity. Volatility is just rate of change would be the easiest way to think about it you know we're doing things this way now we're doing it that way now we got to do it this way now we got to do the if you want to know what volatile is i bought a brand new iphone last year i'm now two two versions behind (laughs) that's called volatility you know I, i bought a new tv this year that is half as thin as the one i bought five years ago that does 4k and is smart you know, it that's volatile because it changed quickly. Uncertainty. No, that's I, I know, I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. Let's get it like your V's. I know, I know. Uncertainty. <laughs> uncertainty. You know, no one knows what the future holds. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. up until today, January the 4th, 2022, it had been 140 years plus since the United States Congress had elected a Speaker of the House not on the first ballot. They're on ballot number six. That's uncertain. <laughs> you know, people talk about drive the stock market, fear and greed. It's the fear of the uncertainty. Complexity. I, I'm actually going to read this. This is um, from Stanley McChrystal's book, Team of Teams, former Navy SEAL commander. Complexity, on the other hand, occurs when the number of interactions between components increases dramatically. The interdependencies that allow viruses and bank runs to spread. So it, it, it's, it's not just a complex thing. It's that all these things are interacting together. And then ambiguity is where we're coming up to now, Steve. You know, what does it mean? What does it do? How does it deal with? And, and let's be real. We talk about it. I talk about it all the time in the business world. You've got to be ready in a business to address the VUCA of the world or you're going to be left by the wayside. See Sears, for example. You know, or the golden child of Texas Airlines, Southwest Airlines, last week, two weekends ago. You know, great example of they didn't address VUCA that they saw in the world and evidently had plenty of warnings about. And so now where are they? Now Christians are having to deal with an even more VUCA world than we think we've ever seen before. Let, let's be real. It's no different than it was in the time of Rome when Peter's writing this letter. You know, was it maybe shielded and different for several years because of America and American culture? Yeah. Was that a bad thing? I'm going to say no and yes to that, an- to that question, answer my own question there. You know, but the reality of it is, now we're looking at a world that's rapidly changing, rapidly becoming more ambiguous. And Peter addresses that because Christianity had changed. The Roman world was changing radically. It used to be small little kingdoms all over that area. Now there's one kingdom, Rome, that you answer to. There's, there is transportation that by the way 
we should send the engineers back to learn how to build roads because those roads have outlasted any roads we built, you know? But so the world was rapidly changing at that moment, just like it is today. And Peter is addressing all of that and telling them how do they live their faith as a part of this. I think about this, and we've looked at exiles, and, and, and of course, uh, folks, what we've looked at so far in Peter is, is the exiles, as, as Stephen mentioned this, some of them voluntarily were exiles, some of them were not. Why would you, why would you be scattered into another country as a believer in Christ unless you were tortured and you suffered, right? And uh, uh, suffering, what kind of suffering in the world they, did they experience, folks? And do we experience it today? Of course we do in some areas of life. They're insulted, they're isolated, humiliated, discriminated against, arrested, beaten, tortured, burned, sometimes killed for their faith. And that would be enough to cause me to take my family and move to another city, mm-hmm. another country, right? So so when Peter addressed these exiles in another country, he said, I'm telling you, you've got a greater hope in your life. So now... Why in the world would these Christians be so hated, right? That they would actually be driven out of their own home and they'd be driven into the other countries or they'd even be tortured oh. or killed. So that's yeah, so a good question. A few things Is one, one they were I driven, they, most were driven out of Jerusalem and, and the Roman Palestine and Judea because mm-hmm. they were considered heretics and because the, 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 the Jewish community... Uh, the Pharisees, which which saw Jesus Christ as a a blasphemer, and as we see, got com- completely outraged. Stephen mm-hmm. made the big speech that connected uh, right. Christ, connected Jesus of Nazareth and the cross and the resurrection all the way back to Moses. Basically, did the entire biblical narrative. So right. they were right. driven Absolutely. out. Um, and you know, we have and and then you had the 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 Sanhedrin and Paul was the enforcer. Uh, so, so question number one, that's they kind of pushed northward into Antioch and parts of Turkey. But then question two is they began to be hated by the Roman yeah. establishment, which is, which is a very good question, Mike, um, because this, this is a, these, these were weird people to them. Yeah. They, these, and, and, and what got them, what basically got them into trouble wasn't wasn't so much that they were just weird behaving, barely rescuing babies, um, treating their slaves differently. Um, they were they were refusing when the time came to claim the to assert the divinity or the deity of the emperor, and uh, and and the Roman historians at the yes. time wrote that Tertullian. That's uh, they didn't write much about Jesus, but they wrote a lot about. The, this bizarre community that that I think they Tac- were cannibals. Tacitus called them. Tacitus called the early Christians malicious and superstitious, and kind of malicious in that they advocate. They, they basically said the emperor wasn't God, and that superstitious they believed in something else. Um, I, so taking it back to where Peter's coming from, he's saying you as exiles and that's that's where that's where or a kind of where i think this part really this opening part is what what do you expect as an exile you're you're a refugee or an exile and, and taking what you're talking no, about when it's, you it's go good. someplace else you're not going to be on the top rung 
and you'll be lucky if they just leave you alone. But more than likely, as what happened with Nero, he'll burn down the town and blame the Christians, blame you, the exiles. And what, what, um, what Peter is saying here by addressing, and, and some, of the, some, of his, some of these people, some of these churchgoers, these early Christians, were indeed literal exiles from the Holy Land, from, the, yeah. from, from Jerusalem. But others were, were, were Gentiles. They lived there, but he's addressing them all as exiles. So let's wheel ourselves down 2,000 years and look at ourselves as Christians and ask ourselves, why, especially do we as American Christians, expect to be running the show? When Peter here basically says, no, you really can't. You're exiles. You're going to be disliked. You're going to be looked on with suspicion. You're not going to get accepted. And, well, I'm, I'm throwing that out here. No. That's where, that's, that's, I think, really where our expectation should be. And, and in a lot of places, as you said, today in the world, it's still that way for Christians. But what, what Peter is saying here is accept this. Um, the world isn't going to like you, but he basically says it doesn't matter. Well, think about you this, know, though, Steve. You you are not from here, just like me. Yeah. Ne- neither of neither the neither of us are you from Yankees this area. We're, exactly, <laughs> Yankees. And I can and I can tell you when 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 I moved down here, it was an economic migration. Mm-hmm. I mean, pure and simple. I could not. I absolutely could not get a job. I did mm-hmm. not want to raise pigs anymore. I was not going to be a pig farmer. And so I moved down here, and there is a certain amount of blend that you have to do and we are all and you can everybody can think of exile that you have your own exile and that is an unfamiliar territory and you can think about this as you go through your christian worship and maybe you look at all the different channels and the different types of christian worship that's out there and you don't even recognize it and here you're supposed to be what accepting it and what promoting it man i don't even i don't even know if this is like like steve said i don't even know if this is the same you know but the standards have to be yours and what you developed over the years by exercising your faith muscle. Unless you're making a whole lot of uh, policies, decisions. I mean, if you're doing that, you're probably not listening to our podcast. <laughs> you know. Uh, but each of our standards, if you talk to the guys on this panel, it's been developed over years. And so really what we're talking about is how we deal with the future and and every time i was going through your notes i was thinking of grumpy old man itis you know <laughs> i'm not a grumpy old man and get off my lawn yeah you, you know what i'm saying i mean i mean that's not the way we used to do it you're not a christian if you don't do it this way and you know i mean tradition yeah, it is, yeah. oh man you know and, that, but, and, and but, believe me that just that just turns everybody off. Well, you know, coming back, even if you're not a Christian, let's say you do things. If you're a nice person today, you will find somebody that doesn't like you. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a fact. Or you'll get taken advantage yes. of and run over. Right? Yeah. Bill, you've said many times, yeah. a person here, a man who is nice, uh, 
is looked down on as effeminate or right. or not desired uh, to be with or, or to socialize with. Well, Jesus was very, very nice. He was very loving, but he was very straightforward in his knowledge of serving God. And his heavenly father was his key. And the key was that he told the people from the beginning, he says, he says, you're not, especially the Pharisees and the religious people, he said, you're not loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind by memorizing the scriptures and beating everybody up and showing off. Your pride is going before you, and it's not what God intended when he gave you the rules of Moses and when he gave you the Ten Commandments. So the point is, what? so why are Christians hated? Even today we're hated. We are experiencing it here, here but not on the, I guess, on the, the level or the... the uh, uh, position that they were back when Peter was addressing these. So why are we hated? Because because they they view us as arrogant sometimes. They view us as holier than thou. They view us as looking down on them, even though we may not. The point is, folks, in our heart... When if God you're making, them, if you're judging somebody, Mike, you're looking down on them. Mm-hmm. Just trust me. <laughs> trust me, dude. It never works. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but the point is, the, the two main commandments here, even for the Jewish leaders, was love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And Christ was saying, you're not doing that in how you act. And so today we're looked down upon, and not necessarily because we say you have to accept Christ to go to heaven, but because we say stop breaking the rules. Well, I want to ask you this, because sure. I put it in the notes. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and because, as I said, we, I, I think... In a way, this whole idea of living as exiles should we we should adjust our expectation to that. That yes, yeah, certainly certainly the country, this country, the United States, and and many other countries are are open to Christianity and are not going to persecute people. But the the culture does different things. It's there's there's cultural pre- pressures. So yeah. when uh, this is this is a bit this is a big thing. Do you do we even today do do we uh, Living as exiles, do we hide our faith? Do we go yeah. about our business not saying anything? Or and we know people, or do we shout it out? I'm a Christian. Um, even though you know you don't make judgment, you don't. You, you you could actually be a good witness and do that. But literally, let's put it this way: Do you wear your your Christianity on your sleeve? Yeah. And uh, how should we live? Right? And, and how and how should we, how should we express our Christianity? I guess is a is a way of, of putting it. And are we are are we are we cowardly or are we wrong if we we're quiet about it? Or is death just our personality? Like there are introverts and extroverts, or are we being sometimes too boisterous or too in your face? Even if we're not like shaking our finger, but we're saying, "I, I am a Christian, and I, you know, I'm singing the song, and I'm playing K, KSBJ on the radio. Uh, if you ride in my car, that kind of thing." Honk if you love Jesus. Of course, <laughs> um, you know, I got yeah, yeah. So, so, I'm, so but I'm throwing that out. What's what? What is? We yeah, you're so raising your hand. We'll come back. That. And we're gonna come <laughs> back, and we're gonna answer that question after our second break. We think we're gonna God. answer it. <laughs> this is podcast number two seventy seven. No church answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders. 
Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. And we got the buzzer going because, hey... God listens. That's uh, that's the old KSBJ logo. That's right. So, should you wear it on your sleeves? I'm just going to throw it out can, here. Can Can I answer my question? Can I oh, provide absolutely. the explanation? So earlier I said, in America, the counterculturalism of Christianity was somewhat hidden, and I said, was that a good thing? And I said, no, and yes. No, because it made people think that, well, if I live in America, I'm a Christian, and that means all I got to do is get up on Sunday and go to church, and I'm done with it. It it allowed, the way American culture was set up in, I'm going to just throw back to the 50s through the 80s-ish, you know, I'd, I'd have a hard time putting a definitive start and end, but... Everybody kind of knows the time frame I'm talking about. It, it made it, quote-unquote, easy to be a Christian. Because all you had to do is get up, go to church, and it allowed you to compartmentalize your faith. Where in the reality of the Bible is our faith should be anything but compartmentalized. Do we wear it on our sleeves? Yes. Do we scream about it all the time? No how people see what you do. So, guys, here's the deal. If you're a plumber and you're a Christian, you go be the best freaking plumber there is in the world. You charge people fairly. You don't gouge them. You don't make up things. If you're in the business world, you do the best work up to your ability. You don't throw people under the bus. You take responsibility. If you're a leader... You give credit to all your people. You serve your people. Oh, and by the way, they're people. They're called human beings. So, you know, one of the things we tell people in our company when you're doing your one-on-one meetings, you know what the first thing is? How's your life going? You ain't got to be best friends with your employees if you're a leader, but you need to know what's going on in their lives because they are people. Was it good? Yeah, in a way, because it did keep some of the... I'm going to say the word more exotic strands of weirdness at bay a little bit. You know, I don't have a problem. For lack of a better term. I don't have a problem with uh, the Christian culture going uh, a little bit underground because it makes people more intentional. Let me just give you, let me give you a quick example. Over the last, um, I'll say, seven to ten years, there's been a big move to take away Merry Christmas and put in Happy Holidays so you don't offend anybody. 
When people say Merry Christmas to me, it's intentional. They are letting me know that they know the reason for the season. They're giving me a markedly Christian greeting. And it's not something that's just mimeographed off on something that just handed out. It actually symbolizes that it means something to them. And they know it means something to me. So in a certain way, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I, I like that. Has a has a good reason. I really do. Because you, you're right. You have to be, if you're going to truly be a Christian, you have to be intentional about it. It's not just showing up at church on Sunday morning. Yeah. Well, and it's moments. You really, there's so many battles out there now. I mean, we get weary. And, I, and I'm telling you, I mean, I'm dealing with, I'm, I'm being a caregiver and stuff. And, I, and so I'm running into stuff and issues and challenges. I, I had no idea uh, seven, eight months ago that I'd be doing. And and then and then to have other the people give want my opinion opinion on some christian policy that happened at some school 400 miles away by the doctrine that was by the president and he's a christian too what do you think of that dude i don't have time this is this is good um because no i i i think i think the actually that that we stumbled upon the word intentionality uh you're to be countercultural is to i think do exactly what Robert is describing. You know, what are you doing when nobody's looking? Exactly. And yes. um, and the 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 probably the hallmark excuse for our culture today that every Christian should push against is the old excuse: everybody does it. We are. Yeah. We are dealing right now in the news, if you've been following it, there was a newly elected congressman who, it turns out, lied about where he worked, what he did, where he was from, and like a typical politi- politician basically said, I wrote my biography badly. <laughs> I made a few mistakes. No, you lied about the whole thing. But he's being, now members of his party, and I won't say which party, are already coming back saying, well, everybody does it. And no, that's not the answer. That's the B answer. The A answer is, if I have to do this to be part of your club, then I'm not going to be part of your club. Or if the expectation is I'm going to cut corners or, you know, lie or be dishonest or um, go along to get along, that, those, are, those, are, those are things that, that, um, that I think are the most tempting to fall into but are sometimes, yes, the most costly um, to... To follow through on because <clears throat> you may end up losing friends, you may end up losing allies, you may end up coming across, oh, Robert's the only guy who who, who won't who won't sponge a little there or won't you know all that and and uh, so I, I I'm gonna kick it over to Mike because because I kind of took his time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Everybody, not everybody is Apollos. You remember in the New Testament, who mm -hmm. was just a brilliant, brilliant speaker. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is Billy Graham. And not everybody can go out on the corner and preach. I've tried witnessing out on the corner before. Uh, I don't have that character, folks, to, to just draw a crowd and hear, hear about Christ or meet people and, and tell them about Jesus and win them over. But I do have the ability, as, as, as Robert has said, I have the ability to, to, to talk with strangers and greet them and be kind to them. Mm -hmm. And as Bill had shared in the past, you give money to people on the corner if, 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 mm -hmm. if you believe they really need money for food or buy them food, better yet. Um, I do have the ability to love mm -hmm. my neighbor but more important, uh, the Bible tells us what God believes is very, very important is to help widows, help orphans, help the foreigners, help those who are, who are locked up in jail, witness to them about Christ. They're a captive audience, by the way. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, is <clears throat> one of the key ways you can do it if you're shy about doing it, all these things, is invite them to the church. If you don't do anything else, you meet somebody... Say, so, you know, I, I go to Sugarland Baptist. I'd love for you to visit sometime or whatever church you go to. Uh, you have an invitation. However, if you're, a, you're part mm -hmm. of a, a church, that's great. Keep going there. But the point is, 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 is the second great commandment was Christ said is to love your neighbor as yourself. And that um, means put yourself on the back burner, not on the front burner. Uh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Um, Professor, we're going to go ahead and take some, uh, you know, takeaways that yeah. you might have so on this. So, the early Christians, so one of the things with Rome was, if you had a child you didn't want, in particular a female, <coughs> you just left it out, let the elements kill it. I mean, I didn't know. had a baby I didn't want, had a female, left it out, and elements killed it overnight and I was done with it. The Christians didn't protest and yell and scream and burn down the Roman magistrate's house for that. What did the Christians do? They were thought of as weird because they went around and just collected the babies and then raised them. That's really how we're called to live our faith out. We're not called to go get in someone's face and scream about their sins, because like Bill said, that's nothing but judgment. We're called to live our faith out as we see fit. And we're called to live it out the way Christ called us to live our faith day in, day out, as something we just do, not as something we do on Sundays or something we do from 7 05 to 710 when we have our quiet time or from 10 to 1005 when we're praying in bed it's from 12a to 12p we're called to be christians 24 hours a day every day in every situation no matter who we're with and i think this letter from peter to oddly enough a bunch of gentile churches is going to give us some really good insights as to how we do that on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that is really what it's all about. Excellent. Uh, Judge, you got a wrap-up or a takeaway that you want to 
Yeah, just a review of what we what we looked at, folks, with First Peter there. Uh, these Christians who he was addressing are scattered into various locations to to avoid torture and suffering, possibly death. But the the main thing I want to communicate to you: their identity is with the Heavenly Father who chose them, folks. We are chosen by God. He extends an invitation to us to come to know His Son Jesus, and He will confirm this through two ways. He will confirm it through his Holy Spirit coming into your life and coming into your heart, and he will confirm it uh, by being, and we call this being born again, and he will confirm this through the people around you, through who you associate with. He gives us this living hope, and the, the living hope that Peter talks about, folks, is, is that we have a future in heaven our bodies are going to pass away. Our bodies are going to deteriorate. But we will live a, an eternal life as a spiritual being. Now, I didn't mention this earlier. We're kind of running out of time. But, folks, you got to realize one day you're living the world and you're doing everything you think is right. You may be trying to be a good person. You may go, into, go to work. You may work hard. You may have a family, raise children. That is a physical life you have on the earth. Then one day, God will call you. And if you accept his invitation to accept Christ as Savior, all of a sudden, your whole life will be focused on a spiritual life. No longer your body. But you will live in the body, and you will direct your focus toward, toward your spirit, which has been born again and reborn. And that's what we're all about. And that's what uh, Peter says is so valuable. He says, when you become a Christian... Now your focus is on your spirit and serving the Lord. And this is much more valuable than any gold you can have on earth or any home you can own or car. Bill? Excellent. Uh, producer Steve Ditch. Yeah, we talked earlier about uh, VUCA, uh, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. By implication, Peter says that none of that's going to go away. This, this world is filled with it. And uh, we as Christians are going to have to deal with that. Uh, he says there are specific ways to deal with that. And he also basically says, uh, beyond this voca, beyond you know, today's world, there's something better and more eternal. And there are, you know, that's what's promised to us. Mm -hmm. And accept that promise and... The VUCA part of the world isn't going to really, I'm, I'm going to say, is, it, it, it's not going to weigh on you as much. It's going to be there. It's going to have to be dealt with. Uh, you may not know when your next meal is coming from, but it, it's, it's, it's elegant the way he writes it here, and it's all about faith. There's no question about it. I mean, uh, you, someone from the outside looking, is this crazy? You know, you're, you're going to, yes... Push all this aside and bank on this so-called inheritance in heaven. But here it is. And again, we go back to it because this is, remember, this is written by a man who we as Christians, we're going to, we take it at face value here. He saw Jesus rise from the dead. Absolutely. He saw, he saw his, his teacher, mentor, spiritual leader crucified and really was practically concerned that, you know, 
the day at the end of the Sabbath, they're going to be coming for him as well. And instead, the Sabbath ended, and suddenly uh, that evening, this crucified leader is suddenly in you know in the upper room with them, and so that. He's he's testifying from an eyewitness point of view. He's not he's not writing this 300 400 years removed and you know trying to spin some yarn. He has reasons to write this that we've got to pay attention to for one. Mm-hmm. That you know you're forced to pay attention to. Um you know you can't just dismiss it. Uh and you know when he says we're all tied to this we're all you know this idea of the resurrection cements this it's it's utterly awesome and needs to be taken seriously so so in closing as as christians we should remember we're exiles we're following a different course and no we're really not supposed to be the ones on top and we shouldn't expect to be running the show in fact we shouldn't even be being trying to run the show uh because this is the secular world this is the world that you know that that rewards people who want to run the show. We don't want to be part of that. We want to just elegantly offer an illustration of another alternative. And thank you so. And can I also tell you how to cook a steak? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> how to grill yeah, a steak? Are you old manitis? Okay. First of all, that the method you're talking is great for a thin steak. But if you're dealing okay. with a nice chunk of filet mignon, okay, you you or or a nice thick New York uh, strip, you uh, you want to you exact you start out the same way. You want to sear it for maybe three or four minutes tops on each side, then move it to the cool side of the grill, ah. stick a meat thermometer in it, and get it up to about 125, 130 tops, and pull it. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Dude, get off my lawn. There it is, you my, my, my point, exactly, standards. And that thing, that standard has been around for years. And so understand this. The Christian culture, just what I wanted to throw in. Times and generations change. And what is a struggle for us? And our generation will not be a struggle for the one behind us. So my, my mere contribution to this uh, podcast is this. How to resist old man-itis. Just three quick things. Make some younger friends, uh, number one. Number two, listen to some younger music once in a while. Okay? And number three, get a new barber. You, you'd be amazed with, uh, when you get a new barber, they'll do, they'll do something different to your hair. You'll look totally different. So, Not uh, yours and mine. <laughs> right. Well, well, people with hair. So, and thanks so much for tuning in. This is No Church Answers. And once again, thanks so much to our sponsors and supporters. And on behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu. My name is Bill Cox, and our uh, podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please write our podcast, leave a review, and if you have a question or comment, you can go to our Facebook page, which is or nochurchanswers.com, and post it there. If you're unable to attend a church, well, shame on you. 
Check out the Sugarland Baptist Church streaming services on Facebook, YouTube, and sugarlandbaptist.org. Start Sundays mornings at 9.45 a.m. And when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate. Find a small group, Adult Bible Fellowship, ABF, or a Sunday school class that you can join for discussions like this. Find one that is men only. If there isn't one, start one. And don't take any church answers. Yeah, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or a review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content. 